straight to the beat. Walking down the street in my new the freak, yeah. This is how I roll. Animal print pants out of control. It's red food with the big ass bro. And like Bruce Lee, I got the clout, yeah. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. I, I, I work out. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. Girl, look at that body. I, I, I work out. When I walk in the spot, this is what I see. Celtic, like Barcelona, are more than a football club. Our clubs are a symbol of a culture and community that has not always been made welcome in their respective countries. Xavi. Mulgrave upside and back post.
The Barcelona game of 2012 was played in a peculiar backdrop, um, as well as the club's 125th anniversary. Um, we had had a really strange summer of upheaval and mayhem in Scottish football with the demise of Rangers. Um, and, you know, we were told that you know, we are kind of lapdog media that this was the end of Scottish football, that indeed many other clubs would now be liquidated. Um, and that, you know, our chances of really having a competitive league, far less being competitive in Europe, were zero, all because of the demise of one club. The reality, of course, is always different. Um, and when the draw was made, um, you know, the, the Barcelona game was a standout um, fixture. And um, there was just something in the air. You know, the first game in the, in the new Camp, Celtic played absolutely brilliantly and were, you know, sucker punched right at the very end of the game to lose the game. And, and you have to remember the quote, this is Barcelona peak. You know, Messi, Javi, Iniesta. Guys that were just absolute world-class superstars, you know. And, um, but there was something swirling in the air. You could feel it around Celtic Park. And, of course, there was the anniversary mass at St Mary's the night before now I wasn't at that and the reason I wasn't at it is very simple at that time I was on the bones of my arse um, and really had no option but to pick one and uh, pick the game you know but you could see every so often as Billy McNeil described Celtic having that fairy tale element to the club it just raises its head and that week was the the beginning of it. Hello, Paul. Hello, everybody. Thayla uh, Moran here in, in Dublin. Um, my memories of Celtic versus Barcelona, twenty twelve. Um, well, what a match to what a match to talk about. Um, I wasn't there. Uh, I watched it from my sofa here in Dublin. Um, obviously, it was a big week for Celtic. One hundred twenty fifth birthday. Um, Barcelona coming to town um, and let's let's not forget just how amazing that Barcelona team was that was that was coming to Glasgow um, that annihilated Sir Alex's Man United um, 16 months previously at Wembley in the Champions League final um, 3-0 could have been multiples of three that night Barcelona were that good and uh, they still had pretty much all of that 2011 team um, when they came to Celtic Park Looking at the teams there, obviously you've done a bit of reviewing uh, since being asked to comment on this. And uh, yeah, they still had, they were without Busquets in midfield and they were without um, PK at the back. Um, but pretty much everyone else was was from the Champions League winning team. Victor Valdez in goal, uh, Danny Alves, Jordi Alba fullbacks. Um, Central defence, Bartra was in, in for PK and Mascherano was beside Bartra. Uh, in midfield, you had still had Iniesta and Javi, my God. Um, Alex Song played in midfield where Busquets normally would, but you, you had David Villa, um, 
Alexis Sanchez and a certain Leo Messi who's uh, been in the news recently so it was an incredibly strong Celtic team um, or sorry incredibly strong Barcelona team um, incredibly strong group it was a very very difficult group I remember the ITV Twitter um, when the group was drawn out and the caption was bye bye Celtic um, well, we all know what happened in the six matches um, after that so it was an incredibly strong team Celtic had no right to really expect even to get a point at Celtic Park even though you know, Celtic Park was always a special night on European nights. Um, strong teams have come to Celtic Park before and perished uh, in front of 60,000 baying Celtic supporters. And um, this night was to be no different. And, uh, now, my wife knows nothing about football other than I, that I follow Celtic and Shamrock Rovers here in, in Ireland and I support the national team. Beyond that, she doesn't give a shit about football, but she happened to come into the room um, just before kickoff. I was there on my sofa with me, me cans of beer. And um, walk on was in full was in full voice, and the the sea green and white. And my wife Louise just stopped and said, "Wow, that's amazing. That's just incredible." She couldn't get over the passion, the fervor, the unity, just the noise of walk on. And it was it was spine tingling stuff. And uh, you got the feeling something special might happen tonight, even though, as I said, uh, that Barcelona team. And when you look at the Celtic team uh, on the night, Scott Brown was missing. Um, Hooper and Stokes were missing who were very potent force as a, as, a, as a duo I thought Hooper and Stokes were, were tremendous um, so to, to, to be down those three uh, James Forrest was missing um, I know James he was only a young fellow but he was, he'd, he'd gotten to the team um, Samaras hadn't trained since the first leg two weeks before in, in the new camp when we got beaten by that injury time Jordi Alba goal so Samaras hadn't done much so up front we had Miku on the night anyone remember Miku the Venezuelan he played that night um, we had Adam Matthews uh, and Lustig as the fullbacks Kelvin Wilson and Big Effie um, in central defence so you're you're looking at that back four and you're thinking Messi David Villa my god Alexis Sanchez uh, what can possibly go wrong? But look at it, as we know, it was one of those nights um, when Yama just owned Alex Song on the night. He just had him, he just, he destroyed him that night, big victor. Um, I remember Song getting booked, or should have been booked early on, then got a booking in the first half, and then should have got a, another booking in the second half. He was just, he was reduced to rubble by, by Victor and Song was taken off before he was sent off um, but getting back to the, the goals remember the goals and Charlie Mulgrew's corner at the Lisbon Lions and from the from the right lovely left footed swerver to the far stick and I just remember Victor just swatting aside Jordi Alba to head the ball past Valdez and the noise Celtic Park erupted in 20 minutes or so we, we scored that opening goal but it was definitely against the run of play as expected. Barcelona owned the ball in the first half. They were passing, probing. But the Celtic uh, team from 1 to 11, um, they all put in a shift. There was no indiscipline. There was no jumping into tackles. They, they just went with their men, kept great shape. You know, Victor, uh, as I said, uh, but Kelvin Wilson and Effie at the back. Um, you know, there, were just, there, was no, there was no rash tackles, no jumping into... Because that was what Barcelona did so well. They just tempted you into fouling. Um, and they just were so disciplined Celtic. Um, I remember uh, Forrester pulling off an incredibly good save to his left from Messi from this penalty, from a shot from the penalty spot. He tipped onto the bar. The referee gave a goal kick, but big, big Fraser definitely got a hand to it. It was an incredible save. And um, right now, look a little bit when Sanchez hit the post with a header. Apart from the, the Barcelona goal, it was the only time that uh, 
the only time that uh, Fraser was beaten, uh, Sanchez header hit the base of the post. Um, but we went in one nil up at half time, and the second half was much the same. Um, it, be it became a match between Messi and, and Fraser Forrester. Messi shot, Fraser would save. Messi shot, Fraser would save. He was incredible. It was a performance to match his uh, his legal final performance against the Huns in, in 2019, um, the legal final. Forrester was just a wall that night. If that's what I think the Spanish nicknamed him, the wall that night, with with good reason. He was incredible. And then, uh, you know, when 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 uh, Lustig got injured after the 70 min 78 minutes, um, you'd expect maybe a defensive sub substitution to come on, but fair play to Lennon. He brought on young Tony, Tony Watt, so substitute for Lustig and rejigged re the team a little bit. So it was a bold move to bring on Tony Watt, inexperienced young fella. Um, and then that goal, you know, it's it's still incredible to look back at it as F F Fraser punts the ball downfield and... It's coming to Iniesta and, uh, or sorry, to, to Xavi, and Xavi just miscontrols it. Now, the amount of times you see Xavi miscontrol a ball in his career, you could count on the fingers of one hand. But he miscontrolled it. He's human. He let the ball through his under his foot, and uh, the ball went beyond the back four. And Tony Watt was onto it. Just him and the grass, and Valdez ahead of him, and everyone's off their seats. I'm off my sofa. Sharp, you take a breath, and Tony goes through and keeps his head and smashes the pass. Valdez, wow. What a moment, and just, you're nearly getting goosebumps thinking about it right now, and um, I'm off my sofa, the dogs have gone running with the noise, um, I'm punching the air, shout my head off, and I can only imagine what it was like for, for all you guys who were, who were at Celtic Park that night, um, the noise, 2-0 to Celtic against this great Barcelona team, it's just, it's the stuff of dreams, you know, Tony, what boyhood dreams, it's just incredible, 2-0, nine minutes to go, um, but even then, you're you're never you're never safe. Uh, I remember the weekend before that Barcelona game, we were two and up against them, the United at, at Tannadice, and uh, finished two all. So if if you can concede two goals to Dundee United late on, you can definitely concede two goals to, to Barcelona. Um, and they kept probing, but they got increasingly desperate. Um, we held out again. The discipline was fantastic from the Celtic team. Um, finally, um, finally. Uh, a shot from close range from Fabregas who was on as a sub. God, you can bring on Cesc Fabregas as a sub. That's the strength they had. Fabregas shot, shot forced it against says, but Messi swept home the rebound in, in injury time, 91st minute. 2-1, and uh, there's still a few minutes to, to negotiate, but they, they did finally negotiate at Celtic. And 2-1 um, victory, incredible, incredible victory. Uh, even if Celtic hadn't qualified for the group, that, that, um, that victory alone is up there with some of the greatest results ever at Celtic Park, and not even at Celtic Park, and in Celtic's history. Um, incredible performance by, by the team, by Neil Lennon, by the staff, and by the supporters, of course, the 12th man. The 12th man, uh, you, you can't underestimate the, the power and the eff effectiveness of, of a Celtic crowd on a European night, you know, against the odds. It was, it was amazing. Um, so 2-1 to Celtic on that incredible night on Celtic's 125th birthday. Um, that's typical Celtic, you know, the romance, the the romance of it all, um, a club like no other, as to say. So, um, yeah, I can only imagine, as I say, what it was like for, for the people who were in Celtic Park that night when Celtic slayed Barcelona. So that's that. Thanks for listening, folks. Take care. Hail, hail. To the actual game itself, um, it was a real tactical masterclass for Celtic and Neil Lennon. Um, they played very wide at times when they had the ball. They wanted Barcelona to play wide when Barcelona wanted to be 
intricate and go through the middle. They allowed crosses to come in because they felt they had the defenders to cope with that. Bear in mind the defenders were Kelvin Wilson and Effie Ambrose. Um, and when the first goal went in, kind of like, wow, you know. Um, a brilliant header for Victor Wanyama. But I must admit, I had that feeling go across my mind after it that once things settled down, that it was a wee bit, could be like Devineri against uh, Brazil in 1982 World Cup. It's like, oh God, you know, uh, have we angered them? And we did. Um, I mean, Barcelona were absolutely exceptional on the night. There's no getting away for that. Um, the quality of play, but our tactical discipline was huge. Our fitness was brilliant. Um, matter of fact, Lionel Messi kind of jokingly said after the game, um, you know, what, what are they on? You know, how are they able to produce that those levels? And I think I've seen it happen on a few occasions with Celtic and players in Europe at that stage in the season when they're supremely fit and kind of ready to go and stuff. Um, they are capable of taking their levels up to a previously uncharted territory, you know, and, and but at one now you're thinking, right, okay, try and settle down, but again they're absolutely pulling us all over the place. Yeah. Uh, the beating of Barca, yeah. Uh, I was during the time I'd gave up my season ticket in protest at Peter Lowell. But my nephew gave me a phone and said they'd a ticket for me for the Barcelona game. So I thought I'll bite the bullet and go in. Uh, I was sat in the Celtic end. Uh, my abiding memory, uh, the first period of the first half really was the nerves were jangling because this was probably the best team in the world at the time. Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, Puyo. Uh, I thought I was expecting a doing to be honest, but it's the first half wore on. I'm thinking we looked dangerous on the break. Chris Commons had turned a couple of times. At least I'm sure it was Chris Commons. Or maybe my memory's playing tricks on me in the middle of the park and he'd acres of space in front of him. And if, again, I've, I've no checked this, I'm just doing it off the bat. But was it Miku that was up front and he'd the legs on the... The Barcelona defenders, I think they'd made the mistake of playing Mascherano at centre half. Uh, so it the legs on him, and I thought, do you know what? Maybe. And then we go at the corner, and Big Victor leapt like a salmon, and he did that goal, and the place was just bedlam, and my heart rate must have been about 200 beats a minute. I was gone absolutely tonto. I was sat in the cell again with my nephew and the whole place just erupted. After that, it seemed it was just wave after wave of Barcelona attacks. And I was thinking to myself, just like an angry beast, we've woke them up and they're going to give us a doing now. But Fraser Forster pulled out probably the best save I've ever seen in my life. 
and turned the ball into the bar. I can't even mind too hot. It might have been Messi, might have been Xavi, and turned the ball into the bar. And I thought, by the way, that's two or three right good saves. He said, this might be your night. As the half wore on, it was basically a rear guard action and wave after wave again. I think we had another couple of breakaways that didn't really amount to much. And half time, I would just turn around at my nephew and said, if we don't score a second, we're beat here because they'll, they'll get to no bother this second half. If we've to get anything out of the game, we need another goal. And I couldn't for the life of me see where it was coming from. Second half kicked off again, the heart rate's again up through the roof. I, that was probably the first sign in my life that I was probably destined for a heart attack that arrived in 2016. Well, I'm sure the, the heart rate that night didn't really help much. The next memory of that game is the long boy at the top and Tony Watt had come on for Miko and he's just brushed past Mascherano and he was through on goal and he slotted it coolly by the keeper and the place just went effing mental. It's probably the loudest I've heard Celtic Parker up, apart from maybe Georgie Cadetti's first goal for Celtic when he came on as a substitute. It was loud that night, but by God, Celtic Park just... The whole stadium shook it was everybody was jumping up and down that much. The old lady was absolutely rocking. And then I can't, can't even mind what minute of the game that goal was in. And was it Messi scored for the rebound? And the whole place kind of went flat. But just at that, the whole place, there was silence for about five seconds and then the noise just got cranked up even more just willing the team on to through injury time and to win the game because I think they'd scored with about two or three minutes to go then it was about five or six maybe even more minutes of injury time and that was just mental that's the longest I would equate it to seeing out a Celtic Rangers game uh, when you've got a 1-0 lead or a 2-1 lead and you're willing the referee to blow his whistle, except that was probably even 10 times that, that night. Everybody, the whistles, jeering for the referee to blow his whistle. And then at full time, the whole place just went fucking tonto. And there was a pylon on the pitch. Neil Lennon was gone off his rocker down the sideline. And it honestly one of the most electric nights I've ever seen at Celtic Park. I remember I was at the Partizan Belgrade game when Jakonowski scored four and I thought the atmosphere that night was absolutely amazing but Barcelona beat it hands down. Went back on the supporters bus and that was just rocking. Everybody had been to the carryout shop and the bus was fully stocked. Bottles of wine flowing, cans everywhere. And basically, 
I was I was bedlam on the bus. I get home because I was working the next day, and my wife has got the champagne out, sitting watching the telly, ready for the highlights coming on, and. I walked in the door and she was greeting with joy. It was just one of the nights that affected people like that. I've unfortunately no seen anything since that compares to that night because we really haven't been that successful against the big teams at Celtic Park since. But what a night. What a night that was. Well, hope this finds you well, Paul, and I wish you, your family, and the rest of the podcast listeners uh, a great Christmas and all the best for 2023. God bless, mate. Half time, you're still 1 0 up, and you're thinking, well, you know, at least you can get 15, 20 minutes of your respite. I mean, I'm pretty focused and anxious about games if you play Morton in the Cup. Barcelona, you know, the, the, the stress levels are off the charts. But I've seen it so often where, you know, you've had a game that's just, you know, mind-boggling to see the least and then you, you, you hear the half-time whistle and you say, turn around to your mate and say, Chris, we're very comfortable here, eh? <laughs> um, And my mate who was with me that night was a guy called Evan Watson who used to be very good friends through the 90s and so on, watching Celtic when they were really terrible um, and kind of reacquainted at that time after I'd come back to America but subsequently lost touch which is pretty sad to be honest but if you're listening Evan, hope you're doing well pal um, Okay, mine's is Barcelona game. Game I'll never forget. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of games. Atmosphere brilliant in some games. But that night I came home to Canada to see that game. Up and doing, couldn't sit in my arse. Especially after when we were up 2-1. Once, I mean, we, I know that we all know the rest of the game, we've seen it. That game was... Ugh, just amazing. For if you were a Tim, that was it. I can remember as a young guy going, young boy going there and watching see the Real Madrid friendly game when we'd never played in Europe and saw European teams and things. And I remember leaving after that game and thinking, I'd love to see Celtic Park fall and all the Tims in it. And we would rock the place. We would rock it. And that night, we did. And I, the thing that kills me was, that, like, you know, they were pounding Forrester and Gold. They were fucking pounding it. And we're up 2-1. I'm thinking, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. All of a sudden, the crowd goes quiet. They're going to make substitutions. And I'm thinking, who the fuck can Barcelona substitute? Who are you making substitute? Who are you going to pull off of this team? That's a brilliant team. Who are you going to pull off? This is a fucking doddle. We're, in, we're away here. Announcing announces the two guys is coming off. Replacing them is Piquet and Fabregas. Oh, for fuck's sake. Two substitutes. Piquet and thing we I remember a guy in the crowd behind us shouting, oh, for fuck's sake, Barcelona, like, he's a prick, will you? You know, you know we're going to pound us again. But when that final whistle went, oh man, it was everything that I 
ever dreamed of seeing. And I've seen the U- I've been to two European Cup finals, one we won, one we lost. And they were away, they weren't at Parkhead, but this was at Parkhead, it was different. This was at Selig Park. This is the home of the Timbs. This is when that Tim blood is running through you that you've had all your life, that your dad had it, your ma had it. It was ingrained in you, everything in it was there, and everything was, you were willing, willing sale to go. And I think we, every one of us was in the same mind that night. Willing, we will sail to go into that fucking victory. And I can remember, you know, at the end of that game, the relief, the joy, the atmosphere, the singing, your hair stoning, your neck, hairs in your neck going, just amazing. And that's when, you, if anybody's there as a young boy, if that was your first game or your first game, that's what makes you a Tim. And it was all Tim's out there, and it was all Tim's that was screaming. And we were giving it pelters, and we knew it. Tears streaming out of me at the end of that game. The tears were streaming down my face. I was so proud of my team and proud to be a Tim. It was amazing. That's how I feel about it. God bless you all. Merry Christmas. And don't worry, we'll all see it again and we will win that European Cup again one of these days. We will win it. God bless you all. Thanks, Paul. The second half was, was much of a muchness. You know, it was, it was all about them and their possession and us trying to kind of contain it and ensure that um, they didn't score. And a lot of that was due to Fraser Foster. Um, after it, the Spanish press or the Catalan press, I beg your pardon, should basically nicknamed them the Wall. Um, Fraser Foster remains the best goalkeeper I've seen at Celtic Park, um, and Joe Hart is 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 you know, if he's here for a few more years, will probably surpass him. But Fraser Foster to have two games seven years apart where he basically won us some single-handedly is testament to how good he was and I think that ultimately he'll probably regret leaving Celtic but that um, performance that he put in that night was just absolutely vital to our victory What do I remember about the night that Celtic beat Barcelona 2-1 in the Champions League group stages? Well, I'm probably unique in that my thoughts at the time are recorded elsewhere. But to put that into perspective, the I was there when we beat Barcelona in the UEFA Cup uh, about eight years earlier in, in 2004, and Alan Thompson scored the only goal that night. It was three red cards in the game. It was it was a phenomenal night, but it was the first of two games, and then the second game in the new camp. I was fortunate enough to be there as well and the 0-0 draw which in a game that lasted about three days uh, I know it was only 90 minutes but it felt like three days the, the, the atmosphere for those games and the momentous achievement of that was completely different from when we went into this game because this, there's always been something special about Celtic so the night before I was able to go along to um, St Mary's uh, and take part in the 125th anniversary of Celtic's founding 
Um, and that was that was the 6th of November, obviously. Um, and then the game itself happened on the 7th. I know a few of the Barcelona people were at the celebration uh, the night before, so it was, it was good to get them along and have them take part. And I the kind of the shared ethos of, of more than a club was, was, was evident even on that night. Um, so then, of course, the game itself started off with the full stadium TIFO, which was an amazing sight. Uh, wonderful work with the the Green Brigade to, to put that together and and just set the scene really for what became a momentous night. We were unlucky in the the new camp a couple of weeks previous, and that Zamaras had opened the scoring. Barcelona got back into the game, and then he had that ninety third minute winner um, for Jordi Alba to deny us getting anything over there. So we knew we could go toe to toe with them going into this game. But he still needed a bit of luck and everybody to play to their strengths. And uh, I, to be fair, that's exactly what happened. I mean, I, th- I remember thinking it was quite, we were probably fortunate in that Alexis Sanchez was chosen to play up front for Barcelona and he was probably not a bad player, but he was probably the weakest option up there. So that I think that played well into our hands. Um, the other thing that probably played into our hands was Danny Alves kept cutting in on. Adam Matthews, who was playing on the wrong side. So it actually helped him in that way, because if Dan Alves had gone on the outside more, he probably would have caused Adam Matthews more problems on that left side. But as it was, he kept cutting in, so it played into Matthews' hands. And so the, we got the opening goal, Victor Wanyama's back post header, um, and the place went ballistic, obviously. It was a cracking cross into the, the back post. Uh, and that was always Barcelona's kind of weakness was the crossing into the box so we knew that our chance was going to come for set pieces and certainly that's what we took uh, we get to half time 1-0 I think when we face a Foster pulled off a few good saves I think they maybe hit the woodwork at one point as well um, and Foster had played well in the new camp as well and was already getting the, the, the big headlines so to, to have, have him continue that performance into the the, the, the game at Celtic Park was, was, was exactly what we needed um, uh, we continued into the second half I know Barcelona pegged us back for quite a lot There's an annoying graphic goes around every year that the anniversary of this game comes up which says we had like 11% possession it wasn't true, it was, close. It was, in, it was in the 20s um, which is still phenomenally low for uh, a home game at Celtic Park for Celtic to have 20% possession when that's the kind of statistic you see today the other way around like we'll be the team that's got like 78% possession at home and uh, the opposition will be the team that's got nothing or near nothing so the the second half we wondered how long we could hold on and then like there was a moment I think it was a song um probably should have got a second yellow card and didn't and was able to get substituted right on you think well, maybe that's the luck turning against us because the referee's not really on our side um, but we made our own substitutions a certain Tony Watt came on um, and he was part of the, the, the great moment for the, the second goal and uh, it's, the, the strangest part of that second goal was still that uncharacteristic mistake from Xavi because um, he just makes a complete mess in the sense well, uh, uh, Tony Watt through and Victor Valdez and it's just a long punt up the park for Fraser Foster for a goal kick so there's really not too much to that goal Zaffy makes a mess of it it says Tony Watt and, and he keeps it cool 
um, and fires a plus factor for this. And then the place goes ballistic again. It's like we're two 0 up. It's late on in the game at this point. We know we've been able to see it out this late. There was that. There was a definite feeling of we are going to beat Barcelona when that goal went in, and it was great that a young Celtic fan and Tony Watt was the man to score it. Um, so that was. It wasn't a moment that lasted long. So the the bedlam dies down. And at that point, you're thinking, right, 2-0, there's still time in the clock. Barcelona are really going to go for us now. And the thing in the back of your head is possibly that just a few days before last game, our previous game was at Tannadice and we'd been 2-0 up. And we lost it in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> it finished two each. We lost that lead. Uh, so if Dundee United can do it to us, surely a team like Barcelona can do it to us as well. But as it was, we held out. We were probably denied another um, possible red card because there was a moment not long after the second goal that Tony Watt had another chance to get in and was pulled back. And the referee let it go. If the referee gives that free kick, it's a red card because he's in. If the pullback doesn't happen, he's in, so there's a chance for him to get a third goal. And I can't imagine how that would have been if that happened. But I, I, there's another um, sort of funny moment comes to mind about this. That this was well, Lionel Messi pulled the goal back late on to get make it two one, and it's it, it's funny because that was the first goal he scored after Thiago has suddenly been born. So I've got this image in my head years later. I mean, Tiger must be about 10 now because of that. Um, of Tiago saying, so, you, know, you you scored your first goal um, after I was born. How was it? Oh, it was a good goal. Finished. Did you win that game? Beat it, Tiago. So, <laughs> that amuses me, that's ideal. But, uh, but it was it was late enough that Barcelona probably weren't going to get back in the game, but it was still just enough time. You still had that doubt. So there was a few nervy moments after Messi scored. Um, but in the end, it finished 2-1 and it was an amazing result uh, up there with some of the best results ever at Celtic Park because this was a Barcelona team filled with talent. It was a Barcelona team who'd won the Champions League. They weren't the holders that season, but they'd won it the previous season. They'd won the treble, like, twice in a couple of years um, in the league and the domestic cup and in the Champions League so that the, the that Barcelona team are probably one of the best teams that's ever been um, in football so for us to run them close in the new camp and then a couple of weeks later to actually beat them is something of, of just dreams and to do it on the night after the 125th anniversary of founding our club just made it all the more special and it's it's those kind of memories that you love for and you'd be hard pushed to find the stars aligned so much as it did on that night uh, for us to pick up that result So the game's going on and you're kind of starting to dare to dream you know, it's 15 minutes to go and you're still 1-0 and you're thinking, you know, surely worst case scenario here is a draw. But then, of course, the unthinkable happens and Tony Watt runs through and just slams it right in the bottom corner. 
and I'm still to this day, I was in the, in, in the um, Jokestein stand that night with my mate Evan, I can still see his face as he turned to me and just had this look of complete and utter shock, you know, and I can read it in his face, we've just gone 2-0 up against the best team in the world, and of course you're going absolutely mental, but what I actually captured, there was a kind of one of the things that they do when they capture fans in the stadium, um, on Facebook and all that kind of thing, it always comes up in my Facebook memories, the two of us just sitting there, you know, stony-faced watching the game, um, freezing cold night, but that moment was just an explosion, and I say, it was, despite not being in contact, you know, for all the years since, we saw Celtic together all through the 90s when it was terrible. And to share that moment of going 2 out up against Barcelona, Kindy was the full 180 for that. So I'm glad I shared it and I'm glad... Um, it happened, obviously, um, and it, the game itself, I mean, the Chris Kajawa thing's a thing I probably remember the most with the commentary and stuff, and it summed up the fans' emotions that night. Obviously, Barcelona scored, and, you know, you held our breath for a couple of minutes after that, but we'd done it, and um, it was amazing, it was incredible, and it should be the standards that we always aspire to at Celtic Park, it's as simple as that. There's probably only been the Lazio games that have even come anywhere near close to, to that night since then. And that's sad. But we can never give up hope. As long as we can look to the Lisbon Lions and the great Celtic sides of the 60s and 70s, there's always hope. And ultimately, if it doesn't kill you, it will make you stronger. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me three European finals, two Danny McGrains, and Larson is the king of kings. You know the overriding thing about the Barcelona win, you know, which came in the same week as the um, 125th anniversary of the club and you know, the uh, recognition of that, it's amazing that, is that the Barcelona game was a reminder of the heights we should always aspire to. Um, I collect certain Celtic programmes. I've got every cup final since I've been alive and I've got most of the European programmes for 62 to 99 my hope is that my sons will continue collecting the f the future ones um, after I'm gone. But every time I look through the programmes, it just reminds me of where Celtic were in the 60s and 70s and the Olympian heights that the club achieved. And we need to find a way to replicate that. Um, and for me... It has to be twofold. It can either be through our youth, which is kind of how we done it originally, because how do we ever compete with um, these, you know, nation-state clubs and all that otherwise? Or it's in developing a legacy under a leader like we have just now. You know, one of the biggest 
disappointments of a period of domestic domination has been our lack of European imprint. And that's where we should always strive to be because that's what put the club on the map in the first place. Once there was a worldwide recognition in 1967, people started to look at Celtic and go, oh, wow, that's a great story. And these are great people. And Jokestein often said that he liked the people who supported the club and he liked to give them a bit of success. That's the thinking we have now with our manager and that's where we should always try to be. Because just remember, Barcelona can put up whatever they like about signage on their stadium or that. It was Robert Kelly himself, the Celtic chairman at the time, said this Celtic football club is more than a football club. It's a way of life for people. 